I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Easter morning. What an opportunity to celebrate the resurrected Jesus. And as we were kind of leading up to today, I was grieving a little bit that we weren't going to be gathered together as the church. And yet, when we think about the power of the resurrection, we have to take into account that God is king. He's sovereign. He's in control. And that he unites us together in the spirit. And I just pray that in this season, as we are physically isolating and not gathered together, may he teach us something deeper about the realities of being the church. And we are the church, friends, and he's in control, and he's a resurrected Savior. And so why don't we open in prayer, and we're going to dig into the Word of God together. Lord, we thank you that you, Lord, have changed everything with the resurrection. That, God, you have given us life. That, Lord, you took the things of this broken world, you entered it, and you were broken yourself. And Lord, that exchange you offer to us, that victory over death you offer to us, that victory over sin and brokenness you offer to us freely. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to celebrate that moment. We thank you for that opportunity to maybe have our doubts and have our skepticism and yet walk out this journey of exploring faith in you, maturing in faith with you, deepening in our faith with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? There's so much to unpack when it comes to the gospel, especially when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. And all four gospels, they contain this account, this narrative of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, before I dive in, I want to maybe engage in what is inevitably going to be some pushback when it comes to the gospels and the resurrection. Because if you've ever read all four accounts, they all seem just a little bit different. And you have to ask the question, is, is the inconsistency of this, does that mean it's not reliable? So for instance, if you read from the account in Luke, it would seem that only Peter left the disciples and went to investigate the empty tomb. And yet in John's account, we see that it was both John and Peter that went to investigate. In Luke, there's two men dressed in dazzling clothing. And in Matthew's account, it's an angel 
that descends from heaven and there's an earthquake associated to this moment. So which one is right? Or does this mean that the accounts are unreliable? You know, I was chatting with the team this week and I said, wouldn't it just be nice if it was just a nice, neat and tidy story among all four eyewitness accounts so we could just move on from this kind of question? But in actuality, the more you think about it, the more that poses a problem. If it was neat and tidy, if eyewitness accounts were uniform, that would pose a problem because eyewitness accounts are rarely uniform. In fact, the more uniform and consistent a story is from multiple accounts, the more suspicion that there is collusion that took place. Each perspective, it focuses on different details. One said the angel was sitting on the rock of the tomb. The other said that the two men dressed in white were inside of the tomb. But nothing happens in a static way. You know, history and story isn't snapshots. It's linear. It's moving. And so at one point in the interaction, they may have been outside the tomb. And at another point, they had moved inside the tomb. The narratives being perceived as inconsistent actually play deeper into my conviction that the resurrection happened, even more so than if the story was uniform and neat and tidy and presented with a bow on it. And I hope today that I, that I can speak to the skeptics and to those exploring faith, because you might be surprised to know that you're among good company. The disciples themselves, when they heard about the resurrected Jesus, didn't believe. They were skeptical. They had their doubts. And stick with us. I believe that perhaps, just maybe, God wants to take you on a little bit of a rabbit trail this Easter season. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke's account of the resurrection found in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Luke 24, 1 to 12. I'll give you a moment to get there. It says this, But on the day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And when they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now, we, we learn in this passage that it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, who discovered the tomb was empty. And, and while they were perplexed, it says two men dressed in dazzling apparel stood before them. Now, keep in mind that Matthew's account says it was an angel. Now, it strikes me the response that these women have to these men. They wasn't just men. They must have been something to behold because they instigated this sort of visceral response from the three women. 
where they actually bowed their heads to the ground. And now don't miss this. They asked what may be the most profound question ever posed. Why do you seek the living among the dead? In, in fact, I would ask you the same question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Because it's this question that reveals a kind of universal understanding of the realities of this world. In, in this season, we've had some opportunity to slow down a little bit. The pace has slowed down as we physically isolate, as we don't go out, as we've put aside a lot of our activities and our gatherings. We can't help but have a moment where we start to think about life and family, relationships, time, our priorities, our values. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we can be those who look for life in dead places all the time. The career, the perfect family, the hobbies, the financial security. Now, some of you, you've achieved many of these things, and yet the reality is one that we don't like to really talk about. This lack of satisfaction, this feeling of emptiness when we achieve these moments. See, the reality of this world is it is a broken place and, and we keep looking in the broken to find the things of wholeness and the things of life and it just doesn't come. We always feel like it's just around the next bend, the next purchase, the, the one more child, the one more promotion. Yet if we're honest with ourselves, we reach these markers, we reach these moments and they just don't deliver. Now, don't get me wrong, none of these things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they just don't carry the weight of what we're looking for. I'm, I'm a classic when it comes to getting obsessed about stuff. Um, for those that know me, I get a little bit obsessive at times. There's moments where I'll get excited about a purchase or the, the potential of a purchase. And so I will just start researching and looking and learning and, and trying to become an expert in whatever that product is or whatever that thing is that I'm interested in, whether it's tennis or sports or purchasing a camera or whatever. I just start research. I get so obsessed with it. And yet every single time without fail, I achieve it. I get it. And it just doesn't live up to the hype that I've created. It always inevitably becomes a letdown. There's this great quote from a movie called The Knight's Tale. It says this, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. The things of this world, when we truly objectively stand back and look at where we've been looking for life in dead places, we can't help but measure it and find it wanting. Satisfaction and fulfillment aren't fully realized. There's nothing wrong with these things, but in terms of fulfilling the core need of the human being, they are devoid of substance, they're devoid of life. And to find life in a world of death and decay, it's a non-starter. We need to find life in something or someone who transcends this world. Jesus is that transcendent one, and he offers us life freely because of the resurrection. This moment when the angels reveal more, they, they reveal more than just the physical resurrection of Jesus, but it's a prophetic call to humanity that no longer do we have to look for living among dead things, 
but there is one who is alive and offers us life as a result. The transcendent one, Jesus Christ, him crucified and yet risen again. So the women, they leave and they connect back with the disciples. And they share the tale of this encounter, the empty tomb, the encounter with the angels. And guess what? They're met with skepticism. They're met with a bunch of guys who don't believe them. And there's a few things I find interesting about this. Uh, Number one, the disciples were skeptics before they were believers in the resurrected Jesus. That's, That's telling. If you are a skeptic, if you are one perhaps exploring faith in Jesus, uh, you're among good company because the disciples themselves did not believe. And yet something happened, something happened to change all of that. Number two, if they were conspiring, if this group of people were conspiring to create this myth of the resurrection, they wouldn't have used women to do it. You see, in the first century, women were not considered witnesses. In fact, they could not be witnesses in a court of law. And so to verify a story, you had to find men that were witnesses to verify that story. And so it makes no sense in a situation of collusion that these this group of people would choose women to be the primary witnesses of the resurrection. And number three, collusion seems to be miles away from where their heads are at. If collusion for the sake of creating the myth of resurrection was on the disciples' minds, this was a key opportunity. This is an opportunity that fell in their lap. All of a sudden, the body is now gone from the tomb. This would have been best case scenario for them, and yet it's not even on their minds in this moment. But Peter doesn't just sit there. What I love about Peter is he doesn't just look at Mary Magdalene's Facebook post and determine whether it's fact or fiction based on his feelings or his his biases. He goes and he investigates. He puts in the hard work. He puts in the time. Says this in verse 12, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. I, I love this moment. President Ronald Reagan made made famous in the Western world a Russian proverb, a a Russian proverb kind of rhyme during the nuclear disarmament of the Soviet Union. Dobrye no probrye, which which translated to English means trust but verify. Trust but verify. Friends, I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm not even asking you to take this account at face value. I'm asking you to verify it. If it's true, it will become the single greatest rabbit hole you've ever kind of taken. Notice it doesn't say that Peter believed. It didn't say Peter believed. It said he marveled at what had happened. Yet we know that in time, Jesus reveals himself to Peter and Peter believes. Peter believes to the point where he becomes the lead guy in the church. He becomes the first lead guy in the church. He preaches the first sermon. He gives the first altar call. He calls people to Jesus for the first time. And this Easter Sunday, I want you to consider the journey of faith. Each of us is on a journey. And no matter where we are, the question is posed to us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Because Jesus is alive. That's quite the claim. That's a claim that carries with it some significant ramifications. If it's true that Jesus was resurrected, 
It means that he is the son of God. He is who he said he was, that he created all things, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's worthy of our lives. If it's not true, then we may as well just extend this time of corona and just not gather as a church again and just use Sundays for sleeping in and knitting or whatever you're into, hiking, walking our dogs. But many of you watching, you have, like Peter, you heard about the resurrected Jesus and you investigated. You took a moment, you took a season. Perhaps that happened quickly. Perhaps that happened over a long period of time. But Jesus revealed himself to you. If, if that's you, I'd love to hear just an amen in the comments. If that's you, you give, give me a witness on that. But that's my story. I had questions. I had doubts. I was a skeptic. I grew up in the church, but I had to discover for myself. I had to take a journey for myself to ask the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? Because that hinges everything when it comes to our faith. And I came to the realization that so often I was looking for life among dead things. And I just wasn't finding it. But in Jesus, I found life. In Jesus, many listening online have found life. Some of you have joined us and perhaps this question is eating at you. Is Jesus who he said he was? And I would encourage you, like Peter, to take a season of your life to investigate. Investigate the claim. Because I believe, like Peter, those who seek the truth will somewhere, somehow along the way, come face to face with the resurrected Jesus. God will reveal his son to you. If you seek truth with all of your heart, he will reveal the son to you. Now, if you're listening online and that's you, I would love to hear from you. If you could private message or comment, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook, we would love to take that journey with you. But let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to just take us on a journey. Lord, we thank you this Easter for Jesus. Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you rose again from the dead. I believe that you offer us life and that we don't have to look for life in dead places in the brokenness of this world. But Lord, we can find life in you. And so Lord, I pray for everyone listening everyone in the sound of my voice right now, the Holy Spirit, you would arrest our hearts, that you would convince us that Jesus is the Son of God, that you would, Lord God, take us on a journey of investigation, a journey of seeking, an answer to this question, is Jesus who he said he was? Did he rise from the dead? And Lord, on that journey, as we marvel, as we ask, as we doubt, as we're skeptical, as we engage it, Lord God, on that journey, would you reveal Jesus to each and every one of us in a unique and a beautiful way. Lord, we thank you for this Easter. We thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So friends, thank you so much for being with us this morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is alive. I am convinced of that. And many of you here listening, you're convinced of that too. He's changed your life. He's revealed himself to you. And so why don't we just take a moment to celebrate and praise him for who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing, even in the midst of this. We have hope. We have hope, friends. So let's continue to be people of peace. Let's continue to walk in hope and celebrate the resurrected Jesus 